on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Job Dean Cox again, this time he's in! At the second time of asking, Dean Cox takes Leighton Orient a step closer to Wembley. Carroll. Jonathan Tahue. Capable of anything. Tahue! Equaliser for Leighton Orient! We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer our bows on who wear the rest Whatever challenge, whatever test We're late and Orient from E10 Late and Orient from E10 well, good evening, everybody. Welcome along to another edition of the Orient Hour. I'm Andy Gilson in the Phoenix 98FM studios in Brentwood and a veritable gang here. We have Mr. Terry Howard. How are you, sir? Yeah, very good, thanks. Uh, good evening, everyone. And uh, over on opposite me, actually, I've got a gang of two opposite me, there's uh, Mr. Gareth Platt. How are you? I'm very good, Andy. How are you, mate? I'm all right. And next to him, Mr. Christian Wheeler. Evening. Ah, that's a man of few words. I hope you've got a few more words to say than that tonight. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> yeah, we shall see. Anyway, happy days. Everyone's in a good mood because um, for the second time in uh, almost as many weeks, Leighton Orient have taken maximum points from the uh, current, or were, current league leaders. Having uh, dispatched Cambridge a couple of weeks back, they've uh, then gone down to Exeter, which has never been too much of a happy hunting ground, certainly if your name's Terry Howard, and um, got and got the maximum points. And uh, Terry, a, a resilient performance. Yeah, by all accounts, um, a very deserved one. Uh, played on the front foot uh, and got our jury walled. It was, you know, it's nice. It was nice to see us uh, moving the ball a little bit quicker, plenty of crosses. And as I say, we've got a reward for, for a very good performance. I mean, uh, Christian, I mean, it, it's the chances. I mean, Orient could have uh, won that a lot easier than they did. It's the Orient way, isn't it? I think they were, as Terry just said, I think we were good from start to finish. It was just a shame, the real one mistake that we made. Uh, obviously, TJ went down like he'd been shot, but hmm. unfortunately he fell over. Bloke, it's a screamer, but good thing in, they just got back on it carried on the, on the same path and yeah, I think it was well deserved at the end and we, we should have had a couple more for sure. I mean you were there Gareth and, and it's unusual for the away team to, to be facing that much of the, of, the, of the other team's goal isn't it? Yeah no it was a real shock particularly the way we played against Stevenage where, where we allowed Stevenage to impose their game on us 
And it was almost the opposite. It was almost like the change in the way we were playing and the setup. I think it was 3-4-3, three, three, which is a bit unusual for us, and it's unusual for Richie Wellens. But it really worked. And we were, I mean, obviously, we're behind one goal, and all of the play was up the other end. And as we've just said, there were a couple of really early chances, and it could have actually been you know, quite an impressive score before half-time even. Gareth, yeah. can, I, can I ask you, did we move the ball a lot quicker at the it, weekend? It, I'm not sure. It, it, it certainly wasn't as ponderous as perhaps it has been. Uh, but at the same time, it was slightly more direct without being long ball, if you know what I mean. But it, it still it didn't go through the thirds as, as quickly as perhaps we hope it would. But it, yeah. it, was, it was more purposeful, but I don't know if we moved it that much quicker. But we just seemed to... I mean, I think it helped. We had the two wing-backs, wingers, playing on the natural sides, and I think that helped to stretch it a little bit as well. So. I think there's been an issue all season, mm. the balance of the team. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of... Playing players that are left-footed on the left and right-footed on the right, uh, you can switch it. You can, yeah. you know, just for a change. But I, I think this season, for me, a little bit of an issue where, where Richie may have got it wrong is is the fact that the balance of the team hasn't looked quite right. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it gave us a grip of midfield as well uh, because you got the four bodies in there, and and it allowed us to push them back a little bit. I believe they had quite a number of changes through injuries and international call-ups, wasn't it? But mm. and but equally, having listened to what their manager said after the game, Caldwell, I don't think they were very happy with the way they played, and they allowed us to dictate the game. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, quality with with our finishes. I mean, you could put a question mark, uh, Christian, over the goalkeeper for the for the winning goal, couldn't you? I think you put a question mark from the first minute from the keeper. I think I made a number of comments on our WhatsApp group that you could tell that he was their number two keeper. I think he looked very suspect from crosses. Uh, I would have maybe crowded him out a little bit more because everyone he come for, he had a little flap up and we hit the bar twice from close range with headers. But I made the... I, as you know, I'm always sometimes a little bit harsh and I think if that was the Orient keeper, would he expect him to save that? Yeah. I think that's gone. For, uh, I think I called him Papa Don Rist on Saturday. I don't know why I had prawn cracker wrists in my head, but yeah, Papa Don Rist. It definitely, it definitely <laughs> went for his hands. As I say, fair play to Roy. I think it didn't quite come off for him a couple of snapshots that he had. Um, but I always think with Roy, if you, if you leave him on the pitch, he's the, he's the one person that can find the net. Um, he got his just rewards. Good to see. Pickett score as well. As I say, he's, he struggled a little bit for form. Maybe could have had a couple more, but his actual goal, I thought he took, took very well. As Terry said, Wing got down the outside, hung it up for him. Great first touch, good finish. He looks a decent player, though, doesn't he, Pickett? Yeah, he looks a d decent player, but I, for me, he's not He's not a nine. Like I, I've heard Richie Wellens compare him to Teddy Sheridan. It might be a poor man's Teddy Sheridan, but he's definitely someone to me. And he, he showed it against Gillingham, I thought, uh, on the Tuesday night, that was his brightest game, and he definitely seemed to play in the pocket a little bit more and link play up. And it's just, I think, someone that stature, you just got to, as Terry said, get the wingers round the outside and get the crosses in. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced that he's a he's a 20 goal a season man, number mm. nine. But you know, the only way we find out is if he sling some balls. If in the he's box. playing yeah, and he's getting the service. Yeah. And I mean, Terry, it's, it's, it's now a confidence thing, isn't it, with Orient? Because they've had a couple of you know dodgy results, which is in a way only to be expected when you come up a level. You're going to find a few things go a bit wrong and you, you get punished a lot. But uh, it's surely now, it's a mental game as well, where they've having beaten Cambridge, beaten Exeter in their own back garden, you know. So uh, really that should, should be a lift, shouldn't it? Yeah, confidence should look. Confidence should be high because for two reasons at the weekend. Number one, we played well, but number two, we come from behind. 
we got we went a goal behind, but we didn't let it rattle us. You know, that's a good, that's a sign of a, a team that are not low on confidence. Um, yeah, it, they, they're feeling their way in. We've had a couple of big defeats, but um, that, it's all about you know dusting yourself off and how you get up and get on with it. And and they've done that ever so well the weekend. Now it's time to kick on. You know, it's it's no good having a good performance followed up with a poor one. You got to, you know get some yeah. sort of uh, you got a little, little mini run going here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, listen at the weekend. You know, I think you've, of course we want to win. Draw's not the end of the world. Just just get a bit of momentum. Yeah, you need going. something on the board from the match. Can, yeah. I, can I ask Terry a question? Yeah. Uh, what, what what do you think though, Terry, about when we come up? I think for me, if you looked at the the games that we've done well or played better, it's against teams that play football. Yeah. Cambridge play football. Exeter play football. I think the games where we've struggled and probably been out muscled, Portsmouth, Stevenage. So I think for me, the acid test is where we come up with someone that's either watched us or played that way intently, how we, how we react to that. Yeah, there might be something in there. I mean, the, the, the two games that we took heavy defeats in, we got beaten up in both them games. Yeah. Our physicality looked poor in them games. And, and we, had, we had little spells in them games where we played some decent football without being over-convincing. Yeah. And um, I, I just think with us... Yeah, it, the matchup might be better in some games, but that's where we've got to learn. And uh, the new lad at the back, he's a big lad. I was I was sitting chatting with him um, during the the um, Stevenage game, and I'm not exactly small, but he dwarfed me. He's a big lad, and I think that can help us in them sort of games. You know, um, I, I think he done all right the weekend, didn't decent he? Saturday, decent yeah. game, yeah. So um, that's 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 a to me could be a good sign, and because it helped us cope with that side of things. Yeah, no, he was, he was very impressive. He looks like a proper, mature defender. You know, he's that little bit older than Ed Turns, even though he's from a similar sort of background, and you could just see that. He also had a couple of sights at goal, and he, he very nearly scored on, on yeah. both occasions, yeah. actually. So. Yeah, the, th the thing is, if, if it had been planned against Steamage, you could imagine maybe Richie saying, Gam up, Perjani, Because obviously, we probably, then you could get Dan Happy matched up against another one of them big lads. And it Steamage, what Steamage are great at? They're great at getting in the ball in the box, and they don't lump it, to be fair to them. I was actually quite impressed with their performance against us. It was very measured. Um, but we've, we've got to learn to, to deal with that, and um, I think the signing, signing of Brandon is a, potentially looks a good one. No, absolutely. I, th I think he impressed, and I think that's it. And I think that's probably the standout thing that was different at Exeter, was we looked much more solid at the back. We looked like a, a stronger proposition for teams to try and break down. Do you know, if, if, you, if your defence looks strong, then I've seen confidence through the rest of the side. You know, if you've got a big lad there and he's, you know, he's, he's not getting bullied and that, and it just, it just spreads throughout the team and, and, and helps with confidence. I mean, oh, that right. was the base for a lot of last season, wasn't it? You know, it was we did so well at keeping... I mean, we're playing different quality of players and it was easier for us, but that was really the strength, wasn't it? If you're not going to concede too many, you're not going to have to worry too much, are you? So. OK, well, we'll come back to uh, your views on the match, but uh, let's just hear Richie's as he spoke to Dave Victor after the match. Richie, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. A huge performance, a massive win. I think, you know, we didn't play as much as what we usually do. We didn't get... In terms, I don't know what the passes are and the possession stats, but we didn't pass it as as much as what we did. But we had a game plan. Um, I think first half, I think we were just totally dominant. First half, we've hit the bar twice. We probably had two or three other situations where we can score. Ruel's got a tap in, but, but misses the target. And apart from one breakaway from Dimitri Mitchell, where where um, where Sol's powered it out, there was there was no threat at all. And you come out second half thinking building that performance, and then the, 
the lad hits an absolute world and you're thinking maybe that's just our luck but we never felt sorry for ourselves we kept doing the basics right and I think that was a big thing today we've done all the basics right set plays we're good for and against um, and it's something that we've been striving for um, and then even when we got it back to 1-1 I just think we were the dominant team It was a test of character though in this heat having gone a goal behind yeah, I probably delayed the subs a little bit longer than what I wanted to because I didn't feel a need to, to make a sub. You know, you're always worried about people tiring and, and um, obviously Jordan Graham's still getting up to speed. So you, you're worried about a few things when it's a heat, mainly fatigue. But um, I thought the whole squad, the subs that came on, um, obviously Ethan's come on and made a good little touch for, for a Wells um, goal. And the good thing is we can, still, we can get so much better. We can get so much better. There were so many times there on transition where we can play we can get in um, but it's, there's a lot of other good signs I thought Piggott played his best game for us I thought he was a real threat he was a handful I thought in terms of the duels with the centre-halves he won his he, he won his fair share um, again another good performance by Jordan Graham so a lot of a lot of good performances and psychologically how important is that goal for Joe Piggott? well again when you play really well the strikers they want to be told that they're playing well but they also want to see the name on the score sheet so um, I think it was a really good finish I think maybe he could score the header where he heads it down. Um, he had it down too early, so obviously it bounces high. Um, but I think, forget his goal scoring. In terms of a manager, I want a platform, I want something to play off, especially when you're away. You know, it's a good occasion for them today, 20th anniversary of a, of a really, really good football club that a fan owned and produced players and build a new training ground. It's a really good model for, for a lot of football clubs. So they should be proud of their day, but we obviously wanted to come in and spoil it. You know, and we needed to make sure that we give ourselves a platform. I think Joe was that. And that winner from Wolseturio took it so well. Well, again, he's, he's just been in the right position. We, we won the ball back. We probably should play it forward one pass earlier, but we play it into a forward runner. It's a set. We've got our opposite 10 in, in a good pocket, and he goes and it's a wonderful finish. But, um, you know, we had a lot. We, we could have scored a lot of goals today. That was pleasing. Um, set plays, we looked really good. Um, and when we move the ball quickly and we don't take too many touches and pass it along the back, I'm all for. I'm all for um, passing on the back and playing through thirds and all of this kind of thing. But when you're against a team that, you know, I think that these are, you know, they're in the top of the league. But I think in terms of what I've watched, they, tr- they struggle on transition. So they wanted to make it a bit of a transitional game. We wanted to play forward. I think we, we won loads and loads of second balls. Um, so in terms of the game plan, it worked. We just need to keep, if the players take on detail and stick to it and don't change, that was another pleasing thing. We've gone 1-0 down and we didn't change. We didn't think all of a sudden we're going to round, vacate our spot, trying to get the goal too early. We stuck to the basics, we gave a platform for us in the game and then we've come back and won the game. So psychologically as well, Joe's goal is big, but it's also big that we've, we've come from a goal behind away from all. Is Brendan Cooper OK? He's fine, he's cramped. Again, I've spoke to you numerous times that we're a team that have suffered injuries, we've, we've suffered players getting up to speed and Brandon Cooper is another one of them where his last game before Gillingham was... Um, I think pre-season so you're talking four or five weeks where he's come in he's played 108 minutes at Gillingham and he's played 99 minutes today so the cramp sorry the cramp is an issue um, luckily he done well and then Rob Hunt come on and, and obviously played a, a part in the goal he certainly did and he seemed to go through the pain barrier to do so yeah I mean it was just one of them where Hunt has got down the line and, and he's cleared it and as a striker he's trying to I think it was a genuine attempt to, to stop the ball going forward he just caught him so there was nothing in that First away win, and you're on the road again next weekend at Peterborough. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? We'd, we'd have, by next week, we'd have played eight games and, and had five away, plus the two away cup games. 
So after 10 games, we've had seven away and three at home. The fixtures have not been kind for us. But um, I'm happy with today. I think we should. I think we're in a false position. I think if you ask them when they're watching us play, the Cambridge game, parts of the Stevenage game, parts of the Portsmouth game, the Wickham game, I think they're thinking to themselves, this is a difficult game because we're a good team. But we, we have come away from last season's strengths, which was fighting, dogging it out, second balls, first balls, being in the right position, to all of a sudden thinking, yeah, we, we are smooth, we're a really good football team. So we've just stripped it back a little bit, gone back to basics. You know, and when you're trying to get a football team up to scratch, they're the, the easiest thing to go to. The, the, when you're off the back of that, you do you do have ability and passing the ball and all that can come through. Like the goal, it's a great bit of skill from Jordan Graham, great, great cross, and then a chest volley for, for Piggott's goal, and then the second goal is a good finish. So we just struck it back and, and gone back a little bit to basics. And those travelling fans played their part because it's not a happy hunting ground. The O's haven't won here for 22 years. Yeah, no, brilliant because obviously they never they never changed. Um, I think it was lucky that he was sheltered by the sun today because it's a warm day, but they never changed. We went 1-0 down. And you know what? I'm sat to link you up there and I'm going, you know what? They'll probably score with the first touch. That's just the way that... Or the first attack. And that's the way that it's been going. The, the kid hits an unbelievable goal. Um, but we didn't change. You know, the message down straight away was we don't change it where we play. We don't get... Um, we don't get irresponsible. We don't get impatient and start chasing after things. I think as well, uh, our... Uh, I don't mean on bookings. I think we only had one booking today. So, again, we're, we're trying to learn that these new rules come across and we're trying to have a better relationship with, with referees. No one answered back today. Theo got booked for kicking the ball away, which was a bit instinctive, but, you know, we left the referees alone. We looked like a good professional outfit and, and that's what I want us to look at. Well done, right, no thank, you. thank you. Thank you. There you go. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Richie, for that. And, um, right, just uh, we were talking while that uh, interview was going on there. Gareth, and I think consensus of opinion perhaps that Richie at this very moment in time is still unsure as to his best 11 or maybe he's looking at the options of uh, switching it horses for courses match by match. Well, I was, I was funny enough, when I was, when I was thinking about this last week after we lost to Stevenage, I was utterly convinced that the injuries we've had, lack of fitness and the odd suspension uh, meant that we didn't know what the first choice team was. So that's where I was last week. Then I went to watch us at Exeter, and it struck me that maybe what we're trying to build is a squad where we can be adaptable and flexible and can change for the different challenges coming up. And what I think what's puzzled me the most is Richie very vehemently said, I think it was last season, that he didn't like playing through at the back. He doesn't like the style of football that that brings on, and he doesn't want to play that way. But I'm just wondering if there's been perhaps a little bit of a rethink going up to this higher level, and we might have to play like that. It certainly worked against Exeter. And it looked better. It gave more security at the back. And I think that's one option. But then the thing that really puzzled me is we'd, everybody's been raving about Galbraith over the last two weeks and how brilliant he was. Mm -hmm. And he was on the bench. You know, so I was thinking, why are we not working him in? So that's what made me change my mind and think perhaps we're going to have a number of different lineups, certainly two for different teams we play and perhaps change it uh, to suit the opposition that we meet. But, I mean, maybe Galbraith in, in Richie's mind wasn't the, the right sort of player out there on that occasion Chris I just yeah I just think it might be a horses for courses I think we were just discussing it about that the, the actual lineup suited us on Saturday I think it gave us a little bit more stability at the back it allowed a little bit more of an imposing uh, I'd say figures uh, obviously Beckles come back in I think it suited him playing in the middle of a three um, you know it's now whether 
yesterday, then push uh, TJ back out to right wing back, and th then they, they bring Hap in again. Then you've then got three decent sized bodies in the box to defend both boxes, obviously for set pieces as well. I just think right now, you know, it's, what, it's one good game, one bad game, so you're always scratching for is it selection, is it players? Me personally, I'd like to see Galbraith come in to the midfield. Mm. I think he's a very, very, very good player. He um, took a gamble, didn't he, Christian, with uh, Beckles? Because I've not been, you know, picking on one player, but he's had a bit of a, a bit of a, a mare at times, isn't he, this season? He has, but then really, uh, if Hap's injured, um, turns his away on international duty. You got the young boy that they brought in from non-league that's obviously not ready. He's out on loan. Didn't think you had it. You don't think really you've got any other choice. options. Yeah. Uh, on the other end, you got you play TJ and the new yeah. kid together as a four, and I think you're, you would ask you'd be asking for trouble there. Yeah. Uh, away from home, you can you can afford to be a little bit more um, negative in the setup. Although we didn't play like that, um, but I think it really suited us. As I say, me and Terry were just having a conversation. I actually I actually think that works. I'd actually mm. put the, the new boy Cooper on the right hand side, leave Beckwith in the middle, bring. Probably Hap overturns back just for that size. I'd like to play Sweeney as a left wing back and, and get Theo further up the pitch. And I'd like to play TJ as a, as a right wing back because he's a lot better going forward than he is, you know, one-on-one -on -one and defending. So I just think that's been the biggest difference, I think, for us. I think given the players that we've got, the budget, the way we sit up, we're not, we're not always going to put teams to bed and score fours and fives. But we last year we won the league on being really solid at the back from a, from a goalkeeper. I think we've... We've replaced very well in th in that department. I think Bryn's a very, very good keeper. Um, but we've obviously taken a couple of hammerings up to now. Um, and three at the back's a way to solidify that a little bit. And Terry, you, you, you were very keen on the way the game should be played, in your opinion. Yeah. Um, the shape, going back to what you are saying about the shape of the team, I think obviously we've seen this season an area we've really struggled is in the full-back area when we played a flat-back four. Um, the three at the back gives us that little bit of insurance, as we just uh, said. TJ on one side, Sweeney on the other. Suits them going forward. That's their strength. They're comfortable on the ball. Um, get, get good support to the wide players. Maybe that's why we've got so many crosses in at the weekend, because we've got basically two wing backs and, play, and two wide fellas all getting in areas to cross the ball. So maybe it's not a coincidence. Um, and, yeah, moving the ball. As I say, the, the thing that I've been really disappointed with... Even last season, when we were so dominant, I still felt we could move the ball into the front, in, into their final third a little bit earlier, you know, and instead of... Richie kind of sort of touched on it a little bit there about passing the ball at the back and, and too much. I'm, I'm, I, just, I just think we need to really persevere with getting the ball into our front and wide men earlier or getting our wing-backs on their bike earlier. It just, it just makes us look a much better team. Well, you were saying, Christian, you think we've got a player in the, waiting in the wings to come in at will turn sides. Yeah, I just think, as I say, Terry and I just spoke about it. I, I, me personally, I don't mind the, the way that we play. Uh, to Terry's point, we need to move it quicker at times. The, the bit that frustrates me is we've got some, some pace in our side. And I think the way we play at times, everything's in front of the opposition. And it's one pass and it's another pass and it's, not, and it's side to side. All that means is that the opposition back four is creeping all the time to get up the pitch. To me, sometimes, when it comes into a midfielder, I just don't know why they don't wrap it down the line first time, get us up the pitch, uh, get people in a foot race, um, change it up a little bit. Because, as I say, we have got runners. It stretches the game. 
you know, their back four know that they can't, you know, get as high up the pitch. I just think we're a little bit predictable at times. Do you know, when we played Stevenage, I, I watched the shape of their team. And when they were 2 nil up, they basically dropped into their banks of like four and five. But then they were so comfortable, they went and high-pressed us as well. Yeah. They, they shifted how they played. And, and as I say, we, we, str we struggled to break them down and then we were struggling to get out because they kind of knew what they were all about. They seemed very well drilled. And I think that's over the course of the next month or two, that's what you kind of hope that we will have yep. a real plan, not just one plan, an A, a B, a C if needed, but understanding, recognising what we're good at and what we're going to do to the opposition, which I think is what, I know he's not the most um, uh, popular person, uh, Steve Evans, but him and Paul Rayner, they, yeah. they, they, they've gotten exactly a plan to what they're good at, you know, and, and that's what we need to do. I totally agree, and I, I, th I think I think we knew going into the game against Stevenage that we weren't going to have the space behind that we got against Cambridge, and I think Richie actually said that in the build-up, didn't he? And it was so it was proven. But I think that's the risk with this Hall versus for courses approach is you don't build up that understanding and knowing exactly where everybody's going to be as well at the same time. So, so it's about getting the systems nailed on. If we're going to play two systems, it's about getting both nailed on so it becomes automatic and you know what you're doing really. So. Hard for the scout though, watching for the other side. If he's, if we keep changing the side, it's well, very difficult for the opposition to plan against what's coming because they won't know until about half an hour before the kickoff what the lineup's going to be next week. As long as we know what we're doing. <laughs> Chris, sorry. I, I just think it's more that we just, people are scratching for performances and I say we've been a bit consistent. I think if people actually, like Saturday, if people get hold of the performance and take the shirt, then I think you'll see probably the, the formation and the players get a, a little bit more consistent. Yeah. But when you're scratching performances, as Terry knows, you know, as a manager, you're looking looking for a quick fix all the time and, and chopping and changing people, especially people that have missed out pre-season, injuries in and out. But I think if they can build on Saturday, I think there'll be more you know, tweaks rather than just wholesale mm. changes to the formation. Well, the it's got to be your job as a player to make it so difficult for the manager to change that side, surely. I exactly. mean, you, you've and got I think know your say, place. People really put their hand up on Saturday. Um, and, you know, someone, you know, a couple of games ago that were, everyone was raving about Galbraith, you know, he's now, he's now not playing. So he's got to, he's got to try and get himself mm. back into that. Me personally, I'd still think, depending on the game, as I say, going away from home, Prattley still probably does play. But for me, at home, I'd like Galbraith to play instead of Prattley, just because we should have more of the ball and it's, it's more on us to break teams down rather than... He, he, look, he looks like someone who can break a line of a team. Yeah. He carries the ball really nice. He's got lovely balance. He's got, he's got quite good pace with the ball as well. Yeah. And you'd like to see him just say, when we're at home, yeah, yeah. go on, son. Yeah. Don't have a go. You know, give him the confidence. And that, and it just said it comes with performance, doesn't it? it, it you know, you might not, if you lose and you think, oh, you know, and that's where the character of, of wins, that gives you that confidence to say, I'm going to go and take it to him. You know. That's it. Right. Well, let's hear this week's Victor's View from Dave Victor, shall we? I'd like to take a slightly longer view. Lake Noyant have recently played four games, two against early pace setters, the other with a club with genuine ambitions to stage an immediate return to the Championship. Two wins and a draw, not a bad return, especially from a side still adapting to life in a high division 
and also dealing with an exceptionally high level of injury and illness. The return of Darren Prattney in the heart of the O's midfield had a fundamental impact at Exeter. The O's captain providing leadership and in the sweltering heat, he set an incredible example to younger players. Energy, stamina, determination and skill. Post-match, Darren joined me on BBC Radio London. He said that he didn't think there's a significant difference between League 1 and League 2. It's all about how sides perform. And on Saturday, every player was on the top of their game. It felt good to finally banish the dreadful record late night have at St James. And there is no more dramatic way to secure the first away win of the season than with an injury time winner. Wilson Turio took his opportunity well and he enjoyed the celebrations that followed. Over 400 had made the long journey and there is no doubt that they played their part in a magnificent performance in the Devon sunshine. They had a great view of Joe Piggott's first goal for the O's. He controlled a great cross from Jordan Graham and demonstrated precision in his strike. Let's hope it's the start of a famous combination between these two quality players. Post-match, and there was real conviction from Richie Wellens when he said that his side can get so much better. Wellens and his coaching team will have appreciated a clear week to work on the training ground as they prepare for yet another away day Ignoring heading to Peterborough. Darren Ferguson's side will not be satisfied with an inconsistent start to the campaign. This is the posh manager's fourth spell in charge at London Road, where he's gained five promotions. And despite being given a three-year contract in the summer, he needs a positive response after three straight league defeats against Portsmouth, Derby and Neighbours Northampton. The posh faced another Derby game on Tuesday night in the EFL Trophy, scoring two without reply against Cambridge United. Last season, Peter Bell just missed out on the playoffs after failing to defend a four-goal advantage from the first leg against Darren Moore's Sheffield Wednesday. United's season started brightly, wins at Barnsley and Reading, a home victory over Charlton Athletic. Hector Cipriano scoring the winner and he'll be looking forward to the prospect of facing his former club. After Orient's win at Exeter, it was good to hear Richie explain the new relationship he's looking to build with referees. With the squad finally getting the opportunity to settle after all those injuries, it is important that the O's plans are not unsettled by suspensions. And finally, congratulations to Lake Orient's women's team progressing to the next stage in their first ever appearance in the FA Cup. Thanks very much, Dave. And, uh, yeah, touched on that. Was that a good result for the uh, women's team on the weekend there, Terry, in the FA Cup? Yes, and the new sign-in, I understand, done very well. Had a little bit of publicity, which ain't a bad thing for the club, you know. It's got them a little bit of notoriety, you know. So, yeah, good on them. Yeah, into the into the uh, round, the next round, uh, obviously. So, uh, good luck to them there. And uh, I think we'll be, have a... Uh, chat with Olivia in in uh, not too distant future in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. I think she's going to be in the studio for a chat about the uh, the women's side. And um, one thing I did want to talk about: we, we were touching on referees the other week and decisions, and um, you know that the way that they're being told how they've got to you know, enforce the laws of the game this season, with managers even talking to them or approaching them, etc. And added on time that now seems to be forever. Um, and you had this situation where at Scunthorpe the match is, you know, what, 96 minutes in and the referee abandons the match. Uh, <laughs> I mean, is it lunacy, this, Christian? I mean, it's, it seems it to me. I just think with a lot of football right now, it's just a lack of common sense. Like 96 minutes, 2-1, you know, you just... 
just I, I struggle. I know I sent it on our WhatsApp group, but I, I don't know if people have seen the sending off Halifax South End at the weekend. The ref, yeah. ref poked the, the fella in the eye. The, the bloke's throwing his hands up because he's just been poked in the eye and he gets sent off for it. Yeah. So I just, I just think at the minute, I, I actually don't, I, I was listening to a podcast earlier, a couple of podcasts, and I actually don't blame the referees. I actually blame the, the, the governing bodies behind yeah. it that actually are making them to just be emotionless robots. I just think it's, th it's like the, the offside decision now. When you have to get a slide rule, ruler out and a protractor mm. to work out whether someone's offside by their fingers, I just think you, you're just making it a difficult job for everyone concerned, I think. And that just leads to anger in the fans. Yeah, I mean, the thing with this game that being called off, I mean, we know it's not right, but we're talking about football in general here, um, is that after the match has started the second half, there's no refunds for, for people watching. So, you know, the home club have a decision to make. Can they afford to allow people in for nothing? Um, which they may well not be able to, to do. So they've got to charge again. The match itself is annulled. The results are annulled. But the sending-offs stay. So that, that, that's, to me, that's an anomaly, uh, anomaly even. Um, you know, if, if the result can't stand and the game now is, is null and void, what, how the hell do the sending-offs still count? Terry? Um, just said it, have a bit of common sense. I mean, if... You <laughs> If you're Howard Webb, uh, I know he, whoever makes the laws, they've got to start. They're, they're intelligent people. <laughs> start using their brain, for God's sake. You know, it's it's a ridiculous situation. Um, and Chris just said it. Let referees referee. It'd be really good if Howard Webb actually called all the yeah. referees in and said, "Just go and referee the game. If there's a if there's a big problem, yeah. we'll deal with it. I'll call you in." They're so frightened that they're, they're trying to all sing off the, the same, like, um, sing from the same song sheet, and it it doesn't work like that. It, you know, each game is different. You, yes, you have a broad guidelines for everything, but uh, you know, we survive. I mean, listen, you'll always get bad decisions, you know. But I think as long as you know refs kind of in control of the game, you got to know referees when you played, and you knew which ones you could. Like have a laugh with you know which ones you you know you got to be a bit careful with, and that's kind of the joy of it. Dif referees are slightly have a different personality. Right? We yeah. don't want this black and white. It's a fun being yeah, sucked yeah, out of yeah. anything, I isn't mean, it? I mean, that's I mean, the problem. I can remember oh, was it Alan? It might have been Alan Gunn. Told me to f off in one game. <laughs> like, I said so. Well, he was not the first person I to tell I you think, that, is he? I think I, <laughs> I think I might have swore at him. I think I said. I think he said, "Why don't you just f off?" Like, and I laughed. Yeah, I just, and I thought that was great. Like, and he, and like, he, had, he, he weren't like saying jokingly. He was having a right go, but I just thought it was yeah. brilliant. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes people right. appreciate that, you know, and a bit, a bit of give and take. But yeah. uh, I mean, we got the situation. Obviously, this VAR thing, you know, and we're, we're up, we're. Yeah, we're old school, aren't we? I mean, I, I think that the situation was something had to be done. We had technology, and obviously since the Lampard goal in the World Cup, etc., obviously that sort of highlighted the need for something to be done where the ball was so clearly over the line. But goal line technology, for me personally, was what was needed. End yeah. of story. The rest yeah. of it, you're going to have human error. The referee's going to call a couple of things wrong. The linesman's going to miss an offside. You know, but where we got, as Christian said off mic, you know, when they got the ruler out and it's, oh no, he's a millimetre over, look, his big toenail was over, you know, it's, it's like, oh come on. Do you know, when we look it's at it before they put that line in, I think 99% of us know if that's offside or not. Yeah. 
And, and, and that ain't offside to me. I'm sorry. If, as I say, yeah. just mentioned it, Chris just said it about the slide rule and all that. You can tell that if someone, if their body is a foot or half a foot, you can see it's offside. A lot of you going, and you know, we'll go and look at it again. And half the time, I'm not even convinced they put the lines in the right place. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the, the, was it last week, the Man United disallowed goal? I think the defender's shoulders playing him on, but they done. I think they've done the line from his midriff. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, this, the, 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 the line technology, I mean, as you're having tennis, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's good because it, you, you thought the ball was in and it was just out. You know, so you get the correct decision. Was the ball over the line? Yes, it was or no, it wasn't. That's, that's a fair decision. But the rest of it, I'm afraid, and the, all this added on time for... So how do we get round this added on time, Christian? Because you used to play as well. I mean, it's it's it, you've got to do something, haven't you? You can't have time wasting and and I you know. I don't know because again, it's just we've just gone to the extreme right now to where you're playing 40 minutes. Yeah, uh, which is I ridiculous. Think, I think someone was saying it the other day. If you want a if you want a certain amount of time, then you just you do have to just go to a bit of a basketball where ball in play, hit mm. the stopwatch, and then I just think. Game's a bit of a shambles as it is right now. I think we're going back to that point. I think that the reason that no one wants, you know, everyone wants it just as it is because they don't want any kind of decision or talking points. They just want it as bland and as black and white mm. as possible. I think if we go down the American route, like I know we were talking mm. earlier about, yeah. you know, do we have sim bins, etc. I just think we're making a bit of a mockery of of everything. Mm. And you're just squeezing the fun out of it, you know. Well, that's what's happening at the moment, isn't it? The fun's going out of it. And and, and the thing is, Chris, you know, you say, uh, when you say American, uh, you know, if, if we're drifting towards that way where you end up with four quarters, you know, which isn't impossible if you if you think about how long the actual ball is in play, it probably is about an hour. Um, you know, with the advertising rights, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it all seems to be falling into place to be drop, drifting towards that, doesn't it? Or am I totally wrong? You, you know, have you say? <laughs> Um, I hope not. As I say, I lived in America for a decent amount of time. I stay up half the night watching American sports. I love it, but for different reasons. Like people, people love English football because there's talking points and there's romance and there's, you know, a lot of, should we say, uh, passion involved. And right now, like I go and watch games at all level. You go and watch a game in Conference South Conference these days. There's more interference from the fourth official with the benches okay you've got more than and Richie said about it the other day oh, so we kind of have more than two standing up mm. like it's just crazy isn't it <laughs> like concentrate on what I think if you just scraped it back like everything sometimes when things are not working you have to scrape things back like we're talking about the team and performances but you know if we're looking at the rules and how football's governed you've got to scrape it back like when we grew up or not so long ago offside was offside you put a flag up not how many letting it run and letting it run. I'm always surprised that where they let that run until they need to put the flag up. I'm surprised. I think Ben Mee's the only one that someone hasn't been really, really injured letting that run. Someone wipe him out. Oh, he was just about to put the flag up. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to okay. me. Okay. All right. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to step away from that talk and uh, catch up with uh, our former skipper, Ben Chorley. Right, we're joined uh, by Ben Chorley, uh, a former skipper of Lake Norrent, of course, on the show tonight. And first and foremost, how are you, Ben? I'm good, Andy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm uh, over in sunny France at this moment in time, so it's, uh, it's it's been an eventful last couple of months. It has indeed, yes, because the last time we spoke to you, you were um, at Swindon Town as a director of football and everything seemed to be going along swimmingly. What happened there? 
Yeah, everything we uh, we we made the playoffs in in, in obviously in League Two, um, and and unfortunately lost on, on penalty kicks, uh, and then um, I think it was time for a change. Um, from my point of view, I'd, I'd had sort of three, uh, four years on and off there, and uh, we had a really good season. We created a really good environment and and culture, and uh, the manager was was moving on. Uh, to Cholton so it was time for me to uh, I had 23 years um, solid in the game um, so I wanted to take a, a little break and work on um, travelling around and watching um, I went to the MLS to look at the draft and I went to different countries to see you know a bit about what the job that I'm doing now and being a sport director so um, it was a good time for me to, to come out and, and sort of evaluate where I was going yeah, because when the uh, Charlton job came up, we we saw you over at Charlton, and everyone started saying, "Oh, I think uh, I think Ben's going to Charlton." Um, was there ever anything in that, or was that you just um, taking notes? No, no, I was um, obviously. It is, I think it's natural in football; everyone puts two and two together, and it is normally five. Um, ben was leaving to go to Charlton, and it was nothing that I, I never spoke to them. Uh, it was nothing um, to it. It was just a, a break that. I felt was good um, to go and, like I said, to go and find out a little bit more, to do some courses and to really go down the line of what I'm doing now. And um, there was never nothing in the, in the Cholton situation. Um, they, they had a director of football there already. Um, so, um, no, very false. I mean, so you, you've ended up now. You're a Valencian in, uh, in France, uh, just up near Belgium, isn't it? Up, up near the Belgian border there in, uh, in League Two uh, of the French League. So how did that how did that manifest itself? It's a it's a it's a bold move to go um, to a foreign country to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I think you'll remember. I always like to challenge. Um, so it was uh, the, the guy Rasmus Ankerson, um, who was a there was a sporting director at Brentford and Michelin. Um, he is part of an ownership group which is called Sport Republic. Um, they own Southampton um, currently, and they own a, a team in Turkey called Gustepe. Um, he wanted to. Um, he asked me to come on board in the company um, and to work across sort of the clubs, and that's what I've done. And uh, it developed into obviously they they bought a, a new club here in France, um, and just with the work that I'd done previously, and and and, and I want to carry on doing for years to come. Um, it was a good opportunity. I got offered the role. Um, I come across to have a look at the club, and like you say, it's a um, it's a real easy journey. It's uh, from where I live in Kent. It's, it's straight down on the the Eurostar or the shuttle, um, and door to door takes me around three hours. So it's, it's not far off what I was doing to Swindon, to be honest, on the M25 and the M3. So lucky to get the Dartford Crossing in three hours. <laughs> yeah, Dartford Crossing exactly. So it was uh, it's a great opportunity. It's a, it's a huge club. They're in the championship here. Um, and for instance, you know, like, like this Saturday we played Bordeaux. Last Saturday we played Saint Etienne in front yeah. of you know thirty-five thousand. It's a it's a real interesting league, um, great stadium, brilliant facilities, um, and it's a, it's a sleeping giant really. So I've been here now for nine weeks, solid, um, doing the transfer window, um, and it's been listen, it's been really eye-opening, totally different way of um, bringing in players and recruiting and negotiating. Uh, they negotiate a very different way. So it's, um, listen, it's, it's a challenge and it's one that I, uh, I'm really looking forward to getting my teeth into the next few years. Um, and hopefully we can, we, we get a promotion up into the, into the Premier League here. 
Yeah, because I mean, I'm looking at the um, the population area. I mean, it's almost unheard of in Britain. The catchment area is something like a third of a million, um, which is huge, isn't it? Yeah, uh, listen, it's a, it's a huge football club. I mean, if you look at the stadium, it's a 30,000 seat stadium. Um, it's only sort of nine years old. And the training facility is a Premier League facility. Um, we have academy players, 50 rooms uh, on site, um, showcase pitches, 4Gs. Um, it's a real, it's a real big football club, and that's, I think that's part of the the remit when Sport Republic buy clubs. You know, look at Southampton and the training ground and the stadium, the infrastructure. It's a real um, solid fan base. Same with the team in Turkey, um, huge fan base, twenty thousand sold out every home game, and we want to try and develop that here. So it's a, like you say, it's a great catchment area logistically for players to come to, which is always a, a huge selling point when you're recruiting players. It always was for me when I was playing, um, where you're going to live, where you're going to be with the family, um, how, how easy it is to get there. And this is very easy. This is this is a train into Lille, an hour from London, um, and then it's sort of half an hour in a car. So it's it's a real, logistically, it's a, it's a great place, real good city, safe place, 12 miles from Belgium. And uh, ninety miles from from England, so it's it's a real good place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a lot easier than playing for some of the English clubs, obviously, um, as you say. Um, and so your your remit there was obviously you you were the, at Swindon, and you knew a lot of the players in in that league and the league um, above. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was part mm-hmm. of your job, and you was up and down the country. And so, so how difficult is it now? Because you've gone over to a French league, of course, where you don't really know any of the players. So I mean, it's 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 got to be a, a huge ask for you, isn't it? Yeah, yes, and it's, it's a big ask. Like I said, it's a challenge. Um, but in the company, we have we have market leads. We have uh, many scouts around the world um, that are a huge help. Um, I'm now sort of getting together a recruitment team um, to work with. Um, but I, I've been lucky. There's a lot of people that I knew in France, um, the previous players that I've played with, and people that are in important roles here that have helped me. Um, but yeah, like you say, you have to. You, you then do your scouting naturally in France, and then you, you you speak to agents and you and you look at the market and what's the trend in the and where we can recruit from. You know, we, we we've recruited from Denmark um, because we feel that league is is strong in terms of the, it translates well their style of play to League Two in, in League Two. Um, a couple bit, of a bit of French players. there, Ben. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm getting there, I'm getting there slowly. A um, couple of Dutch players. Uh, one boy we signed from from England, Taylor Moore. Um, it was at Shrewsbury last year, but he's been at Bristol City for for sort of six years. And and we looked at him because he's originally from Lons, um, so he speaks fluent French. Oh, good. And yeah. he's been in England five six years. Played hundreds of games there. So we're looking for certain characters and personalities um, that we bring into the group and. Obviously, last week we signed Anthony Knockart from Fulham, um, former Brighton player, um, so Premier League quality. Um, Bruno Costa from Porto. Um, so we're trying to bring you know as many nationalities into the group, and, and and we've got to try and make that environment work. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously an advantage that French, I mean, along with English, is one of the most widely spoken languages in the world so it's 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 better you know it's better than some languages isn't it because obviously as a lot of people can speak french around the world so your your uh, your net is quite a a a, a wide one really that you can cast yeah yeah for sure And, and this is northern france so they're very proud of their heritage they are um uh, you know they want you to try which i do do um i've cited my lessons um four hours a week now so I'll slowly but surely get there. It's 
it's I have had an interpreter for the first for the first six weeks. I had that so um, especially with negotiations with, with with French agents, there's a few that um, have acted like they don't know English mm. um, at certain points, which is always a, which is always um, a funny point. But we've we've been okay. We've managed to get things done. Um, and like I say, but the language is, is huge everywhere. We're, we're very naive, or I'm very naive as, as, as English people. We expect everybody to speak our language. Yeah. Um, so we have to come out of our comfort zone. And, you know, there's players here that speak four or five languages at the age of 25, 26. So I, I admire that. And it's, it's something that I, I need to develop. And I think it's, it's something that English people certainly need to develop. Yeah, I mean, a tr- a tr- trouble is half of the, half of the English people can't even speak English, let alone like they can't even speak their own language, let alone French, can they? When they're at school, they can't spell properly or anything. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think what it is is obviously they they learn from a lot younger age over there. That's I think that's that's the key. That you know, if you start learning at five or six, then you know, by the time you leave school, you'll be you'll be you know pretty fluent in another language. So. Uh, uh, just it's yeah. just the education system, isn't it? Uh, it's just the way they look at things differently to us, and uh, you know that I say yeah, it's, sure. it's, it's quite embarrassing, really, when you go and they, they can speak so many languages and you're standing there. But um, you know, I, I've managed to learn a little bit enough to get by in France. But I remember I was in a, I was in a, a train station in the centre of France, and this American guy was shouting at the the, the uh, ticket office because they couldn't understand English. I thought, well, why would you expect somebody in a ticket office in the middle of France to be fluent yeah. in, in English. Why would you expect that? You know, I mean, it's just yeah, it's, and it's it's it's. I'm doing the same thing now. You know, you go to a supermarket and uh, you you ask them something and you say, "Oh, you speak English," and they say no, and yeah. it's almost like you take offence. Yeah. But imagine <laughs> where we live yeah. and somebody walked into our Sainsbury's and started speaking French. Yeah, you, you would do exactly the same thing. So it's it's about us. It's about uh, yeah. us. That's learning and evolving for sure. And and, and that's why I'm over here. I want to immerse myself in it um away from the family so it's it's um, my daughter's actually learning french as we speak for gcse so yeah. hopefully uh, she'll you give me some points learn off each other that's that's the answer there exactly. but, uh, so how does the job differ from what you were doing really or was it exactly the same uh no no it's a bit different um obviously at swindon it was it was about recruiting players um recruiting a manager um at the time um changing the squad we, we, it, was, it, was a, it was a takeover so there was only four players and, and sort of seven members of staff I think the last time we spoke um, but with this this is a, this is a huge football club um, this has been this has been in league on um, the top division for many years as a, a huge huge heritage um, some big former players that have played here and like you said it's, it, it, when you come over and see the clubs we're playing against Auxerre Troyes Bordeaux St Etienne, it's a, you know, it's the championship in France, so it differs in terms of uh, the professionalism. Every game's on TV, um, so it's under scrutiny. Um, there's press conferences sort of three times a week. Um, there's, you know, a huge. Um, at the moment, we've got a huge influx of staff, so it's about managing really the day-to-day of the football club. So uh, you're a sporting director, but that involves sort of many, many parts of it: uh, building a training facility. Uh, building the staff, um, getting the department sorted with process. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big role. Um, but you can only, I'm a big believer in action, speak louder than the words. So I, I'll try and be in first. I'll try and leave last. I'll try and, um, I've been at every session, been at every game, every meeting that needs to be, it needs to be held and, you know, and you present and you give your ideas and you just, you just try and stay honest. And to be honest with 
to be to be frank, you, you try and do everything to the best of your ability and hope that people see that and, and they come with you on on the journey. And uh, that, that's probably where the, the difference is right now. It's it's encapsulating the whole of the football club because it's a takeover because it's brand new and and it's up to us to to create good first impressions. So and as a group, I think we're doing that. I think we're changing a lot. We've changed the training ground. We've changed uh, the match day experience. Um, so you have to look at it from a sort of a whole 360 angle, and, and and that's all part of the process. Yeah, I mean, obviously not that dissimilar. Really, starting again with Leighton Orient, obviously with Martin Ing was brought in to build a club, wasn't he? Um, from scratch with just a few weeks to go. So I, I guess that Martin would appreciate what you're you're having to do. I think as well. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Listen, it's it doesn't change. Football around the world is the same, um, but it's just that your culture is different. And then the sooner you know it and get to know it, and the way people work, and and you know the working system, and and and, and all the different laws and labour laws, etc. Once you've got your head around it, I think, like we said, it doesn't change. Uh, to make a football club successful, you need good football players, good people, good coaches, um, and finances. And that, and I think that's the same around around the world. And and the other parts, if that's all good, going well and the fans are happy with what they're seeing and the brand, then you can develop in the background slowly but surely and make sure that that the, the club is on a good footing and, and you're going in the right direction. It's, I don't think anything can come. Anything that's good doesn't come quick. It takes time. It takes knowledge. Um, and, it, and it takes slow progress. And if you try and get those things right, then, then there's not many times that you'll fail. Yeah, I mean, the thing you need, and it's a rarity, is patient owners because, you know, that that they put the dollar down and they want an instant return to these people half the time uh, on, the, on, their, on their investment, if you like. And the trouble is, you know, from your side of the fence, if the foundations aren't right, the building will collapse, you know. So uh, you need to build those foundations that were going to last for decades, you know, even long after you've left the building yourself, you know. So... Um, exactly. are, do they come across to you as patient owners that they're going to give you the time to, to do that? Oh yeah, for sure. Listen, they, they're, they're very knowledgeable people. Um, the, the, the three owners are, are are very hands-on. They know exactly what's going on. They know the work that you know, business people for out, around the world. So they're very patient. Uh, Rasmus uh, certainly understands what he built at Michelin and what he built at Brentford along with Phil. Um, you know, he's fantastic. I remember Brentford sort of seven, eight years ago playing against them in, in League One. So where they are now, an established Premier League club, mm. they understand that it takes time. Um, like you said, building the foundations, getting the process right throughout the club um, and learning a little bit more. At the end of every week, we sit down and we go through um, what we've learned this week, what we could have done better, what we think has been successful. Um, and, it, and it's across the club. Like I said, it, it works if you're getting results on the pitch, but there's so much that goes into that 90 minutes. And as a player, I didn't reflect on it at nowhere near as much as what I do now. Uh, but what goes on to actually getting the players onto the pitch healthy um, for 90 minutes on a Saturday is so so much work. Um, so, but it's enjoyable. It, 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 that's why I'm, that's why we're here. That's why we do it. And and the owners certainly know that it takes um, that it takes time. Excellent. Well, all we can do is wish you luck and hopefully we're going to get over to watch a game at some point in the season. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, it would be nice to yeah, catch I'd love, up. Yeah, I'd love you to. You know, we're, anyone's always welcome. Like I said, Saturday is a, hopefully will be a sellout. It's a, it's a, it's a huge game. Um, it's live on TV. So watch it from afar or please, um, you're welcome to come over. 
Lovely. Lovely speaking to you, Ben. Great. Pleasure. And listen, I know, I know that was a great result on the weekend um, against Exeter. Um, obviously, I worked with Richie in the past, worked with a number of players in the squad. So, uh, like you said, it will take time, but I think it's uh, I think it's a, it's a tough league, League One, um, and it will be about stabilising this year. So, we've got good, very, very good people, Matt Porter, and people like that in the background that, that will uh, maintain um, Leighton Orient slowly but surely going up the table. Thanks very much, mate. There you go, that's uh, Ben Chorley earlier this evening talking to me just before he went on air and uh, a good lad, Ben, and uh, he, he was a good player for Orient and uh, he's, he's taken on a, a real challenge there with Valencian and it's a, 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 I was saying to him, Terry, that the, the catchment area there, there about a third of a million people live around the stadium uh, in that area. So um, huge, huge club, 30-odd thousand they're getting through the gates but it's, they've dropped down a league so they're... Um, He's got, he's got a tall order there, but apparently the people behind Southampton own, own that club. Yeah, it seems to be a thing that, that there's a lot of different sort of owners got their fingers in a lot of pies now. Mm. Um, but yeah, it seems like he's fallen on his feet there, which is good. As you say, he's a good lad. Um, he's a very bright lad, so I'm yeah. sure that they're in good hands there. Yeah, he's, he's learning his French, which, is <laughs> which he's got to oui. do. Oui, uh, no. I was there last week, actually. Oui, oui. I said to him, I'd have popped over if I realised where he was, but uh, there you go. But, um, yeah, so looking forward to the weekend, Gareth. And um, it's, it's once again, it's one of those tall orders, but um, after, the, after last week's result, surely they can beat anybody. Well, I'm reigning in optimism after what happened with, uh, between the Cambridge and Stevenage games. But no, no, I mean, all joking aside, I think... I think we're showing signs of settling at this level. We're showing signs of getting used to the system that we could play. I think if we play a similar a similar setup to what we used at Exeter, I think we might be okay. I don't necessarily think we'll win because this is an experienced League One outfit who have been around and you know for many many years, etc. But I think a creditable scoring draw would be a, a result up there, and it would just build on that. So, what's first. your prediction? One one. One one. Christian, come on, we like to have predictions. I know you hate doing them. Uh, my head says 2-1 to them, but my heart will say 1-0. I'll okay. say 1-0 as well, or 2-0. All. And Terence? Yeah, I'll go with the boys. I'll go with a draw. Tough game. I think, look, even if even if the result doesn't go away, performance can still instill some confidence into us. You know, if, if we go there and, say, play on the front foot a little bit again, uh, if we get turned over in a narrow game, so be it. But, you know, performance is important as well at the weekend. OK, thanks, guys, for coming in. I'll go for a score draw as well, and we'll catch you next week, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll do if we get three points, won't we? And we'll see you next week here on uh, the Orient Hour, 7pm, Phoenix 98 FM. Ta-ta. We're not sitting, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around. And nowhere we can be found. But sadly, comes again oh. We'll be trying to do our best oh. To cheer all those on who wear the vest oh. Whatever challenge, whatever test We're laying on you from a ten We're laying on you from a ten This is our club, we are proud So sing it up and sing aloud we were formed in 1881 The claps and Orient had so begun The old story on it runs We're late and Orient from E10 Whatever challenges come our way The Orient faithful are here to stay We can look to find another day We're
Saturday comes 